and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. And it's actually episode 11. I can't believe I even forgot to say what the episode is after trying to remind myself of it all, all this time. <laughs> but with me, as always, host with the most, I guess, a picker of incredible, interesting topics is Ryan. Ooh. Ryan, Hello. how are you? Hello. I'm flattered by these titles and weirdly excited to hear more. Please, just flatter uh, me. Please, okay. continually. Um, I like this. Ruler <laughs> of the Isle of Dogs. Uh, <laughs> which sounds like a cool well, It makes place. it sound like a cool place, but it really is mm. not. <laughs> I'm good, Fiona. How are good. you? I'm good, thank you. I've been reading. I've been reading a lot, which has been actually quite nice. Getting away from the screens and That's making a ton of notes. So yeah, I can't yeah, complain. Putting me to shame. The amount of notes you get through. Oh, mm, I mean, let's face it. My t- some notes is I read it and type it out as I read, and then I go, "That's quite interesting." And then I go, <laughs> and then I look back, and it's the same. It's I basically typed out the book, so I wouldn't feel too bad about it. You see, my approach to these things is always like I kind of read, and then I read it again, and then I get distracted and read something else. And then I find myself reading something other, and then I go, oh, bugger, what was I reading? Oh, oh great, no. back to the original thing, and I just keep reading in circles. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you finished any book, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I very rarely finish books, I'll be honest. Really? Fiction, fiction I'll read, but these D&D books, I don't think I've ever sat down and read a book cover like to cover. cover, to cover. Yeah. yeah, in and out. Terrible yeah. for it. You always hear people like saying like, oh, I read the uh, the player's handbook on the tube and get funny looks. And I'm like, really? God, that must be so dull for you. <laughs> you no, have no books. Rude. No. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, I can yeah. quote how much a candle is or a mug of <laughs> ale in a tavern, but I, it's not a thrilling read. It's not a thrilling <laughs> read. Yeah, it, it, I think it says more about you as a person rather than the book in general. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'll have it to hand, but that's only because I, I know I'm going to a game, I think, rather than showing off to the rest of the Yes, team. exactly. It's more of a manual than something you read for fun. Well, I don't know. Maybe you read it for fun. I mean, we're reading D&D books for fun, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, but these are different sorts, aren't they? These are worlds of possibility. Worlds of possibility. Oh, well, funny. Funny you should say that, Ryan. Why don't you introduce us to the topic that we're going to talk about today? Nice. Very smooth. I like it. So... I like to sort of breach upon topics that get your imagination going. And especially as a DM, what are the sort of things you could think about for your campaigns, for longer running story arcs, for higher level adventurers? These are all topics I really enjoy to think about. And D&D has always been one of these games that has dealt with what they call a multiverse. And a multiverse essentially is a world with multiple planes of existence Now, these planes can be anything from reflections of other planes to planes of matter and energy or thought and emotion, and in some cases, pure positive and negative traits, and in some cases, random replacements of planes that may or may not exist. There are all kinds of different planes of existence, but broadly speaking, they boil down into lots of different categories, and you can group them into sort of themes. And the problem with planes is that D&D is a really, 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 really complicated game because there are Mm. loads and loads of rules and loads and loads of possibility. And getting ahead around the material plane, which is where most D&D adventures takes place, is difficult enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that D&D falls into the trap a lot of just throwing all these different planes at you with different ideas and different things that you can think about. And it can leave you a bit astray and a bit sort of reluctant and confused as to where to go. So I'm going to be helping you by bringing one of those topics, which is the outer planes, which is a specific Mm. grouping of planes that has 
a distinct, like, um, whilst there's a lot of variation, there are rules and there are ways of thinking about them that you can really get into your head. We've actually obviously covered at least two of them. We've covered sort of the Nine Hells back in sort of the Blood War episode and Limbo. We sort of mentioned Pandemonium and the Abyss as well. So mm. we've actually covered quite a few of them, but actually we've sort of looked at more of the, sort of the negative planes rather than the positive. So this was actually quite a cracking read to actually realise that there's more than one. <laughs> That's what yeah, exactly. And D&D always falls into that because it's more fun to talk about evil in D&D mm-hmm. than it is to talk about good because evil is full of plot hooks and villains and danger whereas some of the outer planes that are related to good could potentially be anything but in the wrong hands i think there are possibilities for all of these things but the outer planes are a really good grouping and once you get your head around how they work it can be a really good way of expanding your campaign away from a story say you've had the same group of friends together for a little while and you've done your campaign and they've leveled up a bit and you're thinking what do i do now outer planes really good place to go so why don't you give us a, as much as you can, sort of a brief overview of like the different planes that there are. Sure. So in order to get your head around the outer planes, a very brief summary of the other sort of types effectively, and we won't go into any detail here, but you can generally mix the planes up into five broad categories. And it's important to tell the difference between them because some planes are totally different to others. You've got the material plane and its echoes where most of D&D takes place. I would say probably 80 to 85%. And if you've got a campaign that's lower than level 10, chances are you won't leave these. The material plane is basically just D&D. That's the world in which everyone lives in. And there are hundreds of different worlds in D&D from Eberron to your own personal campaign to any other one that I can't quite think of at the moment because I'm <laughs> terrible at remembering names these. But, but essentially, you know, like what's um, Matt Mercer's one called? Is that um, uh, Alexandria? Or I can't remember what he calls ooh, the world. Wow, you just completely threw me then. Yeah, uh, I'm just like, whoops. Yeah, uh, hang on. I'll look at the back. Uh, Taldore is one place in it. That's yeah, the map go. in the background. So but, yeah. these are all examples of material plants. And its echoes are things like the Shadowfell and the Feywild, which are effectively the same plane but in different lights surrounding that you have what they call the inner planes now the inner planes are all planes made of matter power and things of actual substance of rules of laws and these are the elemental planes effectively air fire earth and water so if you imagine you've got um your your material plane in the middle and you've got the inner planes around them that creates the sort of inner web i like to call it of Mm. of stuff effectively you then got what they call transistive planes or transport planes which are ethereal plane and astral plane now those are whole other conversations in themselves but all you need to know (laughs) is that they are gateway planes and a lot of spells in dnd use them essentially to either spy on other planes or to transport between other planes but once you leave all that you have what they call the outer planes. Now, when I first came into D&D, I thought outer planes was just another way of saying another world that wasn't the material plane. Right. But it's not. The outer planes are more specific than that. They are a a grouping of planes that has very specific rules. And the fifth group, just very briefly, the positive and negative planes, are basically just dark and light energy. Those are Mm. sort of more themes than the sort of other planes. Mm. But the outer planes... The way you've got to think about these things is that there are different types of outer planes and none of them look the same. You get all different types of planes that mm-hmm. that summarize the depths of hell to the chaoses of limbo to the absolute order 
of, and I can never pronounce this one, it's Mechanus or Mechanus? Mechanus? Yeah. I think it's Mechanus. Yeah. Yeah. The vowels are always in the wrong place to me on that one. <laughs> or the Giddy Heights of Mount Celestia. There are all kinds mm. of different outer planes, but they are not worlds like you know them. It's very important you understand what an outer plane is. And the way to think about it is that outer planes are planes of divine energy, thought, emotion, and willpower. Mm. So whereas the inner planes have matter, energy, rules of law, things that can be physically sort of changed with, with logic, outer planes are more emotional than that. Mm. They can be surrounded and controlled and changed and destroyed purely by the thoughts and power of the powerful entities that live on them. And because of that, the outer planes don't really work in the same way as the material plane does. The material plane, you can kind of draw a map and have, hey, this continent's here, this continent's here, the seas between, if you take a boat from this place to this place, it'd be fine. The outer planes don't work like that. Mm. There are visualizations of them, and you could say, oh, well, in hell there are nine layers, or at Mount Celestia there are seven layers, or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, it really changes depending on whether you've been invited or not, whether you're good or bad, whether you know the way, whether you are supposed to find the way, because the planes themselves can change. And there's no such thing as geography. There's no such thing as real linear thought. These things are alive, emotional, and can really mess you around if you're not ready for them. And just going back to that comment there about the layers as well, there's a really interesting part where it talks about that these planes have layers to them. Like, obviously, we talked about the nine hells and having each one is ruled over by an archdevil. And it talks about, obviously, Mount Celestia has seven levels, uh, the nine hells have nine, and then unlimited layers for the abyss. And it gives the example of a cake. And I just thought, God, an abyssal cake with unlimited layers sounds awful. <laughs> I like to think of it as, have you ever had one of those, uh, you've been on holiday and they've got jars of sand and they draw art in the sand. Yeah. There's different colored sands. So you get like little like camels or, or desert scenes in them. Mm. Imagine you took one of those beautiful things and then shoved a, like a cocktail stick or an ice cream <laughs> stick into it and just went and span it around and everything becomes what, that's how I imagine the abyss to be. I is the abyss. Like, yeah, it once made sense, but it doesn't really anymore. Mm. The idea of the outer planes, there are just infinite amounts of worlds out there, but they're not like the material plane in the sense that they are emotional and they are really illogical in how they work. And you're right. Yeah, it depends on who controls them, depends on what they are. Ah, how do, the best way of thinking about it is that each one is alive in itself and has its own morals and thoughts about life and what it should be. Mm. And if you go against the plane and you don't agree with it, you'll find yourself very, very much at odds with the entirety of the world, not just the people that live in it. And it's not like, say, oh, I'm in a country that supports vampirism and I am a paladin so I'm never going to get on very well it's more like I'm evil and I'm on a good plane the plane mm. itself fights against me it's mm. um it can be very uncomfortable yeah it's uh it's, it's, it's psychic dissonance where you are not uh if you depending yeah like you said good or evil you will feel it and I think it's for every like long rest where you do a constitution state and you get a level of exhaustion or something like that yeah um and yeah on a dc 10 and that's that's interesting and i i felt that in some places like it's an example of going on holiday and you don't necessarily fit in it, it feels very it could be a country just like your own or or you know and you feel that you're not part of it and it's actually exhausting to even try and keep up at times um, yeah. i'm just talking about my own experiences of being in america to be honest with you <laughs> <laughs> 
America is its own outer plane, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. And I thought the best way to explain it would be to talk about a plane that's not really travelled on much, but is mentioned a little bit in Mm D&D, and that's Mount Celestia. It's the first one in the book, and I think it's a really good example of something where you can kind of get your head around how things work. So... Mount Celestia is described as a single sacred mountain, which for a plane doesn't seem like it's that infinite. Outer planes are supposed to be pretty much infinite in size, right? They're pretty much everywhere, but it's just a single mountain. Yes, it has seven plateaus, and it's home to a lot of deities and good gods and angels and very positively aligned things. But there are only seven different heavenly plateaus and layers, and there's only basically one large mountain range. Mm. So you would think, oh, if I stood on the bottom and then I walked to point A and then to point B and then to point C, eventually you'd hit all seven layers and then you could walk up to the top. But it's not like that Mm. because the plane itself is alive. It is positively aligned and it wants to bless good and reward good and to absolutely (laughs) fight against evil in all its forms. So let's say you have two people. You've got the good hero who is kind of heart and true and fair and powerful and paladin-like and maybe with some cleric abilities with some good aligned god Mm -hmm. they in theory could walk onto the mountain and find themselves at home every tavern is open to them every individual welcomes them with open arms they walk to the base of the mountain and find an individual who welcomes them to a meal where they walk into a house and find themselves suddenly on the first layer where they feast and few hours later, they're invited to go and see another friend who whisks them immediately to the second layer and so and so forth. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they, they receive an invite from a god and they realize that there is a ladder that connects the barn of the second, like the house on the second layer. And suddenly they're in the fifth layer because the <laughs> plane itself is supporting them and it whisks them. But let's just say you've got an evil character who is undead is thoroughly bad news and wants to to kill things, they will find the entire plane fights against them, weather would be against them. It would get them lost. They would find themselves walking for days Mm. without traveling anywhere. The mountain would always be on the horizon, never getting any closer. Every single citizen would fight against them. They may get themselves somehow to the bottom of the mountain and find and start to climb it and realize that it stretches for 50 miles more than they thought it would. And when they get to the top, they realize they're at the bottom again. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessarily a linear construct that you can add in geography. The thing is alive. And if the plane doesn't want you to live on it, and especially if the entities that exist on the plane don't want you to transverse it, then you won't, or certainly you won't with a lot of difficulty. Mm, it feels very much like um, that Escher drawing of the stairs constantly going around and around, that like you were just never finding the exit or to the next level at all. That's that's very true. And I think for me, like looking at Mount Celestia, it is like the epitome of good, like its alignment is lawful good. And I've got to be honest, Ryan, it sounds dreadful. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go there. How it's, so? It's well, just, well, what's wrong with Mount Celestia? No, it's just maybe for me, I... As with all characters I play, and as myself, I feel myself as a chaotic good character. I like I like rebelling and stuff, and this place just sounds boring. Like there's no fun. Everyone's just nice and good to each other, and there's no excitement. Whereas compared to some of the other good planes, you're like, oh, this is well, it's more. I was hope. going to say, why don't I change the scenario slightly nice. and throw in Arborea, which I yes, think is please. probably more of your your yeah. uh, type. <laughs> so Arborea is a plane that is basically just the world as we know it and love it on steroids. 
Every landscape is wild and full and forested and beautiful with waterfalls and natural scenery and hunting and good food and good song and emotions and everything. Everything is like angry and passionate and happy. And the plane itself kind of leaves that impact on people. And in fact, life is lived to such a fun and intense degree that people actually find if they stay there too long, mm-hmm. then they have this intense yearning to go back afterwards. And that's an interesting one because you spend a week on Arborea, you go back to the material plane and then someone fails a check and all they can do is want to go back to the plane. Mm-hmm. But there are different versions of good for everyone. And each outer plane is a different sort of emotion. So whereas Mount Celestia wants to reward good and kind and helping, Arborea wants to reward passion and adventure and heroic deeds and and that sort of thing. And I like to, yeah, you you just think it's more of a moral identity than it is anything else. Definitely. And I think certainly with Arborea, it's an interesting thing because all these planes, and I'm sure we'll get to quite a few of them, I'd say apart from the Nine Hells, have only like a paragraph or two of description, presumably to leave it to your imagination as a DM to come up with stuff or or just just for lore and stuff like that. And I feel that in Arborea, there's a really interesting sort of last paragraph where it talks about, oh, there are elves here, and these are the sort of really passionate elves and stuff, and that really struck a chord with me. And again, maybe it's just from my own assumption, but I've always seen elves in particularly D&D but in high fantasy books anyway as sort of the more aloof the more sort of like no emotions not feeling Mm. things and then on the opposite side of that you have Arcadia which Mm. is a lawful neutral lawful good and that has dwarves in it and they are following again this lawful good stuff but with dwarves and it and that to me was also quite odd because again I see dwarves more in touch with their feelings in a way like and Mm. the only only example I could feel where this assumption I have certainly of elves I'm not 100% sure about the the dwarves for example is in uh, Dragon Age I don't know if you've played that where the oh I haven't actually so in Dragon Age certainly the first one and I assume for the other ones as well and again I say this as someone who's only played like the first six hours because I made a mistake and I killed a character and I felt really bad and so I never went back. Um, when you choose your characters, the different races are seen differently from different people, but the elves are seen as, uh, let's say, the lowest of the low. They're not the high uh, intelligent ones, so people do not like them at all. And so hmm. when you interact with mostly humanoids, they're like, oh, those damn elves are doing this, you know. And obviously it's a bigger discussion for later on at some point, like talking about racism and race and stuff. But I, that was the first time I'd ever had this assumption about, well, elves are in, they're really well respected. So seeing an example of this where elves are placed in a setting which is more about passion and and giving into feelings and stuff was really actually quite shocking for me so I kind of challenged my assumption on seeing different races in different settings so I thought that was just really really interesting actually yeah Yeah, it it is that's really really cool and and yeah I guess you sort of think about different races challenging the stereotypes of what they normally are because they've been physically warped and mentally warped by the planes they live on as well and yeah you're absolutely right you could in theory take halflings that you then stick on a plane like Ysgard which (laughs) and they they will become absolutely bloodthirsty heroic like adventurer halflings it's yeah exactly and it's a good way to spice things around 
Yeah, and certainly Yisgard as well. Again, feels very sort of Norse-like, again, with a name like that. But their sort of mm. optional rule is like the Immortal Wrath, where any creature who is, other than a construct or undead, is killed by an attack. They're restored to life the next dawn. So this idea of constantly having battles and it's for the glory of fighting and stuff, uh, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds quite a cool place to be. It's a bit... I don't know, but it's shocking at first. But if you come back the next day, it would be a good surprise to throw on your party, I think. Yeah. You're just like, oh, you are all level 13. Okay, great. I'm just going to put you through. Oh, it's a level 26 creature, your challenge racing 26 creature. It kills you. And then the looks of the faces of the party as you wipe them out and then go, and then you wake up. Yeah. And it's like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. So what about some of the other planes then, would you say, are, are quite interesting to look at? So, so we've kind of talked a little bit about some of the good ones, but the, the idea about the outer planes as given to you in D&D is that it kind of acts as a bit of a wheel. We're used to alignment being three by three grid, right? Where you've got lawful over to chaotic going left to right, and you've got good going to evil going up to down. So you can have true neutral, and then all you can have lawful evil, chaotic good, and everything in between. And there's an outer plane to kind of describe pretty much every alignment and every sort of... Um, uh, view on life. So we, we've mentioned a lot of the good ones. So Mount Celestia being lawful good, Elysium being neutral good, Arbora being chaotic good. And there are also some very famous evil ones that we've spoken about on different episodes before. So Nine Hells being mm-hmm. uh, lawful evil, the Abyss being chaotic evil. And there are some good examples of neutral evil ones like Hades, again, that sort of mm-hmm. Greek inspiration on it, which I think is quite good. Carcerai, Gehenna. Mm-hmm. all these different sort of flavors of evil that you mm. can get but there are also chaotic and lawful planes as well so whereas you've got something like limbo or pandemonium which are sort of chaotic neutral planes of we'll, we'll talk about limbo in a second we sort of briefly mentioned it on, on a podcast before but mm-hmm. and you've also got your lawful ones like arcadia we've mentioned which i, I love the idea of arcadia as a plane it's a plane where yeah. everything is always polished uneroded <laughs> new and perfectly ordered um mm-hmm. to the point where the weather is just a huge orb in the sky that has yeah. one one face which is the sun one face is the moon and it just turns very regularly lighting <laughs> half of it up at once <laughs> i quite like that the, yeah. the weather is controlled and then the real example of the pure lawful plane which is mechanus which you either love or you hate it to divide <laughs> people um and the mod modrons modrons yeah i want to put t in there but modrons the beautiful beautiful creatures that are just big things with eyes that walk around <laughs> some people think they're cute and i just think they're awful <gasps> oh no <laughs> uh, why? That's so cool. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's another podcast idea I'm going to have to scrap off at some point. Oh, no, you'll have to challenge me to be wrong <laughs> and correct it. But like Mechanist has got some cool rules, like anybody on the plane always does average damage yeah, all the time. I like that. Which I quite like. Everything is, is ordered. But there are some really cool planes. Like Mechanist itself, the idea of it's really cool. It's basically the entire plane is just an infinitely large sequence of cogs they're constantly turning and calculating and computing something. And nobody knows what it is, but it's a calculation so vast that only gods can guess at what's going on. <laughs> um, and each of the cogs has its own gravity and order and law. And, oh, I mean, you could just imagine a world that's just moving parts all the time and these creatures that know exactly where things are and all walk in robotic fashion. And, mm. oh, yeah, that would be yeah. 
That'd be cool to imagine. And then you've got Limbo on the other hand, which is this sort of hellscape, but not evil, just chaos, Mm. just entropy and energy. And you can literally change the plane if you have enough willpower. You can stand there and think and go, I want to move that boulder in front of me and Mm. it will move. Or you want to look at your glass of wine and say, I wish this was made of gold. And then it is. Like you can just do things, which I find really cool. I quite like that sort of power. It's definitely something not for the normal adventure. Like you said, even if they've managed to get to Limbo, like, first of all, well done. But second of all, why? Because then you're sort of stood trying to make sure you don't die. You are trying to control things. And then the DCs that it gives, so obviously like a DC uh, 5 to make the check to move a tiny thing or change a tiny thing. But then to move like a, a small thing is a DC 10 and then DC 15 for medium. So if you're trying to like stabilize the ground you are on, that's actually quite a hard thing to do and to keep that mm. check going. It's a, a really cool thing to do. But again, it's that sort of thing where I think me as a player rather than me as a DM goes, shit, what, what do I do? How do I leave? <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, as a DM, there are some planes that are easier to imagine and, and rule than others. Um, some of the outer planes can be a little crazy, like trying to run a campaign on Limbo would be hilariously interesting to do because your party can physically change everything as they want to do. I guess if you're used to running high-level campaigns, you've got people that can cast spells that do exactly that sort of thing anyway. Mm-hmm. But it can be a bit daunting at times. Um, but just remember, it doesn't matter what plane you're on, the plane has a set of morals and a set of things it does and doesn't want to do. And if you go against it, the plane will make life very difficult for you and its inhabitants will make things very difficult for you. So is there a particular plane that you thought, ah, I don't get it, I'm going to assume Mechanus, uh, or you're just like, you're not, you're not <laughs> sure, like, or you'd improve in some way? The one that I struggle to picture, just in terms of like how it works, is, uh, and again, pronouncing it, I want to say Acheron. Yes, me too. Which is a plane that is just made of enormous iron cubes floating, four iron cubes. Oh, and actually, no, four layers, which they're all iron cubes. This is the thing to remember. So they're four different things. It doesn't mean they're above each other. It just means you get from one to the other and all that sort of thing. But they're just these cubes, and they smash into each other. And across them, people just fight continually and it's like i get the idea like the optional rule for it is really interesting bloodlust so Mm. if your character kills someone on that plane they get half their hit points back immediately as temporary hit points it's a huge boost and it wouldn't encourage people to take a a violent action without thinking about it if they got to some sort of situation where the dm's like oh this happens and normally they'd try and find a puzzle way out of it or try and talk Mm. their way out of it they know they get half their hit points back they're like okay we we kill them it would, mm. I, I could see that being really interesting, but how it works and how you would rule it and run it, not entirely sure. No, that to me was the same thing. I think one of my big problems with this, and I think, again, it's just more down to me, is that quite a lot of these planes, because obviously they're, you, you have the good and then, oh, they're chaotic and stuff like that, a lot of them do shift in together for me. So I sometimes struggle to tell the difference between them unless I actually have to go back and read the full titles of them. So, yeah, I did think, like, I said, well, I can't say it now, Acheron <laughs> um, yeah. felt very similar to uh, Yisgard in a way. Because uh, obviously it's mm. like, but Yisgard, I understand, because it's like, it's uh, heroic, it's that sort of like a Norse feeling and thing. And then you got this one, which literally is just two small paragraphs. It's like one of the smallest in terms of sort of detail. And actually doesn't, it, I found it really confusing, actually, the four layers being four blocks. And I instantly I imagined them as Borg cubes. 
But then, yes. you know, but then like, yeah, like you said, are they, they're not on top of each other, but they crash into each other. Then are they just, yeah. I, I, are they like uh, circling around, like a, have on a, on an orbit? So, so it's just, it was just a lot of like, again, I, I think that's my main problem with the outer planes. Like I love the ideas of some of them and I know they're only for like jumping off points and stuff, but considering how much, I say guff, that's not what I mean, but like how much stuff is in the Nine Hells, like there's like two pages on it again. And obviously we know from the Blood War and stuff, it expands on it quite a bit and having these rules for stuff and certainly going into stuff like uh, Jenna and uh, Hades. I thought Hades was quite cool because that's the where this is of um, the larvae transformation happens where mm. you have to make several saves when you're on it. And if you get exhausted to level seven you don't die you just transform into a slug with your face which Ooh. is ew. yeah exactly <laughs> i mean that's just me in the morning ryan but in general like I, <laughs> it's yeah so I, I think i just i some of these ones i struggled to take part like the other ones i thought what was it uh, elysium and then i'm going to say this wrong as well bitopia they, okay. they feel similar just because of the way they're described. So like Biotopia is sort mm. of pastoral, it's two planes of like sort of pastoral and niceness and countryside. And then Elysium is sort of, I would assume like Canadian sort of like lakes and waters. And I, I for me, I'm just like, maybe I prefer it if it just said, in Biotopia, you've got the English countryside or the Scottish forests, or you have this, you know, actual like things to compare it to in the real world, which I appreciate. That's not necessarily a good thing. That's not really yeah. a good point of reference because you want to expand, yeah. you want to inspire yourself. But I just really struggle to, to tell them yeah. apart at times. The, 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 the way I, I, I think about those two, so Bytopia and, and, and Lysium, is Bytopia is like the feeling of, of, of satisfactory work. So it's the feeling that like, if you were to do something and you were to do a job, not only would you enjoy it, but it would go completely successfully for you. At all times, you would have ultimate job satisfaction and you would feel beautifully content because of that. Like it's an active plane where anything you set your mind to, you just do really, really well. Whereas Elysium is more of a rest place. People just can't help but be rested, calm, and just absolute peace with the world and, and joy with the world. So yeah, it's, it's like, um, imagine, you know, you've, you've got a job and then you've got a holiday afterwards. You, that, that's kind of it. Bitopia is the perfect job. And then Elysium is the perfect holiday. That's kind of the way I, I look at it. Clearly I've never had either. So I don't know that experience. <laughs> I don't think anyone in D&D &D has as well, because it, obviously these things exist as like farcical concepts. But mm. There we go. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the ways on how to get to these places. So we've talked about, mm -hmm. again before, the River Styx and how it, it talks about almost like a, like a network or the roots of a tree going down into all these different um, planes, the, uh, the negative planes, which I was like, that's really cool. But then we haven't really sort of talked about the infinite staircase, which sort of goes up into sort of the upper planes and stuff. And yeah. I, quite, I just quite like that because, and again, this is just probably me and I, you probably have no idea about this, so I apologise in advance, Ryan, but have you ever heard or read the Magic Faraway Tree. No. Okay, so it's an Eden Blyton inspired book. And it's obviously you always start Eden Blyton books with three children who are irritating. Um, <laughs> and they have this tree at the bottom of their garden and they can climb up into it and they have various friends. There's like Silky the fairy, uh, Moonface, which is like a man with a, a moon for a face. And That's then the terrific. And then there's uh, the best character is Saucepan Man, who has a saucepan on his head and is slightly deaf. So every time you talk to him, he repeats it back to you, but it's like, it's not what you said and 
the tree sort of branches up a bit like uh, the life tree or the world tree, sorry, in, uh, in Norse mm. mythology. And you can go up into the branches and go up on ladders and stuff and you can get to new lands that are passing by like, as if they're on clouds. And what really struck out for me, again, with the sort of infinite staircase, is that you can go up there, go up a random ladder or open a certain door and you get to a land which is most likely influenced by uh, an emotion or something. So there's a very famous one that I remember is like the land of tempers where mm. you go and everyone's just in a bad mood. And the longer you're there, you get in a bad mood. And then there's like the land of take what you want or the land of birthdays and all that sort of thing. It's all very sort of like very yeah. niche children, 1960s. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's it, a yeah. really good way of thinking about the outer planes though. They're, they're emotions and, and concepts more than they are actual physical places. But mm. yeah, like the, that infinite staircase is, is a really good way of thinking about it. And it kind of like, yeah, traveling between them boils down into three camps. And, and that's the first effectively. It, it's what I would call a fixed route or gateway. So the infinite staircase is a really good example. Imagine it's a bit like Narnia. You find mm. some long lost place that no one goes to and there's a door somewhere that doesn't make any sense and you open it and you find yourself on the infinite staircase and it's got nothing to do with your world. You find yourself leaving your world. It's a bit like um, sort of Northern Lights, like mm. sort of suddenly, whoop, you're somewhere else. And this infinite staircase, as you say, you climb it, you climb it, you climb it. Each floor is different. It's never particularly logical. It's never particularly sensical. But somewhere on the staircase, you'll find whatever you're looking for and you'll get to wherever you need to go. Mm. Um, and the River Styx is another good example of that, which is this idea of this horrible, putrid river that, warps and destroys souls that basically flows between all the planes and the lower sort of half of the outer planes so all of the hells and Gehenna and hades and all these places it just sort of slowly oozes its way and, and that one actually infiltrates into different layers of the planes as well so it's, mm -hmm. it's even even further so those are those fixed entities and, and you could throw whatever method of transportation you wanted into that you could have a sort of half deity like figure that rides a flying chariot that <laughs> if you can get into it and get into the cabin and then leave you'll be on another plane somewhere mm. because he's constantly going between worlds or a comet in the sky that chases between things or mm. do you know what I mean there's all kinds of different ways you could think about it but that's that's kind of like the, the fixed route hmm. the second route is a magical transportation and there's a couple of sort of spells that help you to do that so you've got um astral projection which is a spell that takes you onto the astral plane and the astral plane is kind of between and around all of the outer planes and it has different portals to all the planes on it so if you can get onto the astral plane and you basically just keep swimming in astral space eventually you'll find a portal to another outer plane or the gift yankee like we've spoken about before and they'll kill you with their silver swords and astral <laughs> dreadnoughts and i was gonna say the dreadnoughts just comes along and eats you yeah <laughs> Exactly. Um, but there are other spells as well. Plane shift is a good example. As long as you have a tuning fork or some sort of magically attuned item to the plane you're traveling on, you can magically build a bridge and, and, and move yourself from one plane to another. Although that one carries an element of um, randomness with where you end up mm. teleporting yourself to. And then there's a very powerful spell called Gate, which is a ninth level spell, mm. which essentially opens like a Stargate is the best way to imagine it, like a proper huge fixed portal to an exact location that things can just sort of go to and from. Mm. And then you've got your portals, your general 
portals and and rips in in space and time so we've spoken about them to do with the abyss um mm. you can get portals into the material plane from the abyss that slowly open and things come through and infiltrate um but portals exist from all kinds of stuff like on top of the the, the highest mountain you find a portal to Yisgard, or going to in the middle of the deepest darkest wood and finding yourself being chased by a wild animal you could find yourself in arborea mm. before you know it um there are all kinds of different portals and we, we haven't really talked about it there's this other sort of entity known as the outlands which is this sort of mm. space beyond the outer planes um that has a city called sigil mm -hmm. which i know we've spoken about before the, the city of doors but that just happens to be a city with a proper uh, it's like a halo like sort of entity have you, have you actually is, is it is a matt damon movie called elysium i think it's called oh, yeah. have you seen that one uh, no i've not seen it i've heard of it because it's got matt yes. damon in it so well, they, they have a space station shaped like a ring and the same idea that if Ooh. you're stood on uh, in the city you're on the inside of a ring and you're looking up and around you and you can see the city stretching around oh that's quite cool you could actually look directly up and see the other side of the city and yes yeah, so you've got this city called Sigil, which mm. is the city of doors. And if you can get yourself to that, then there are fixed portals to pretty much every outer plane you could imagine, which I mm. quite like as a, as a concept as well. Yeah, like a travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> like a travel agent, yeah. Well, all right, I'm slightly upmarket travel agent, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, a travel agent that's ruled over by some sort of benefactor who may or may not have made the universe. No one's entirely sure. No one's sure. How would you implement the outer planes or have you implemented them in your campaigns? I think the easiest way to introduce them to lower level characters is to have their effects leak onto the material plane. So it's quite well trodden to have like an entrance to the abyss mm -hmm. where demons will come through and, and you've got to fight them off and close the rift. You might find that going to a good aligned plane could be really good to retrieve some sort of holy artifact. Or you could find that one of the more sort of neutral planes is an interesting one to go to because it doesn't necessarily mean that everything would naturally sort of fight against you. So for instance, if you wanted to find your way to the brilliant Acheron, which again, still can't pronounce, Acheron. Acheron? I'm never going to get that right. Acheron, uh... <laughs> exactly. Whereas you have to go there and survive a couple of days of battle to find some sort of artifact mm. and then come back. I think going to the lower planes can be a little more tricky because without doubt your characters would probably get picked on and killed by the residents of those other planes pretty quickly <laughs> without some pretty good planning but it would definitely be worth throwing in um mm -hmm. i mean they can be used in conjunction with your big bad with whatever the plot of your campaign is perhaps they live on an outer plane or perhaps you've got to go and find some answer on another plane perhaps mm -hmm. you've got to go to another plane to rescue a fallen comrade who's died and, and has transported mm. to an outer plane. Maybe you've got to find some sort of long lost piece of knowledge mm. that only the immortals on the lower planes could actually tell you for a price. Ooh. So, um, yeah, some ideas. Ooh, ugh, I don't like that last idea. That, sound, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I agree. I think for me, it would have to be either an accident. So like, I love the idea of the infinite staircase. Like, it just so happens that maybe just so happened when they get to this town or something like if they start to split up and a character is like, what, you know, I, you know, I just roll on, on the off chance, you know, like 1%, it's always there, like there's always a door. And I, I, you know, it's that sort of thing we talked about with the Istar facility, it's just always mentioning, oh, and there's a door here. And oh, there's a chandelier here, you know, that sort of yeah, like, yeah. and I feel like 
players, they do listen to you if you just say something without description and you just go, so there's this, this, oh, and there's this. And then you go, what about that last item? For me, I definitely want to, would want to visit the more sort of positive planes because again like we said it just feels like the evil planes again it's very typical that like, you go fight evil fine and that's 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 cool but like the more positive planes instead of the upper planes i would like to go there in the sense of and experience it with players like and it's the like you said it is the extreme levels of these alignments and even i'd like to think that it's like teaching people that even if you were adhering to all of these alignments stuff it's just not a place i, I don't know so i feel like because as humans, we are so flawed and, you know, we have temptations. We, we, we are selfish. We are cruel. Or we are mm. And then to be on a plane like this where everything is super nice and happy and you just want to stay here. I feel there's mm. something so ominous about that. And, I, and then of course, it, it, ultimately, it's not evil. It's just the way the plane is. There's not an underlying agenda. And getting players to realize that and then maybe them making a decision like, you know what, this place is not for us. And that's okay. And being yeah. aware of that flawedness. So using these planes, like you said, being sent on a mission to go find something or just to maybe deal a missionary or something like that and just to talk to get information and then discovering this place. Again, a bit like the Magic Faraway Tree. You go to this place and like the land of take what you want. Obviously you're like, great, I can just take everything and it's great. But then realizing that that's not a good thing. That's, mm. not, that's not a good thing for you. And similar sort of thing, like, you know, uh, like you're satisfied of a job well done. That's, that's great. But living like that forever is that, that you know is that, that that's maybe that's just me just going I don't know if I'd want, want that <laughs> yeah exactly maybe life is a better to have as a spectrum mm. and that's why the material plane is so good perhaps perhaps I mean <laughs> <laughs> um, the final sort of thing is there any sort of recommendations you have for like maybe looking to examples of other outer planes of like that aren't necessarily in D and D any sort of films or, or TV shows or books. Um, films and TV shows, I, I'm always terrible at because I just don't watch a lot of stuff. But mm. if you want to ever get into the concept of different worlds, Norse mythology is always the way to go in my head mm. because it's really, really interesting. Greek mythology is good as well. But Norse, for me, the idea that you've got the different sort of upper and lower planes, the giants and then the gods themselves and then the humans and Midgard and... Ah, oh, the, the world tree. Yeah. So I mean, Yggdrasil is is the sort of traditional world tree. Um, and as what have they got? Asgard, Valhalla, Nilfheim, Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. You've heard of all these things from Thor and from yeah. stuff. Norse mythology is a really good idea of getting your head around like a world tree that has all the different worlds on it, spreading out. And is I think his name is Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. is the so the famous writer recently did a book where he mm. broke down in very simplified uh stories norse mythology uh and went through it and it was really 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 easy and quick to read and mm. you'll learn so much about like the idea of different planes and how they all come together mm. it's really cool yeah i've got that i was thinking that's on the shelf but i've still not read that and you really do need to read it will take you about two hours it's oh, really, really? Good. Oh, fantastic. I'll, I'll add that to the list after we've done all of this uh, D&D reading. Um, <laughs> what me, have you been reading? What have I been reading? Well, I'm not... Um, for this, again, I couldn't think of any books, example. So whereas you're very good at reading stuff, Ryan, I just absorb uh, film and TV because <laughs> it's the only thing I can That's sort of concentrate. That's a good habit to get into. Mm, maybe. I don't know. A lot of screen time. Um, but <laughs> for me, 
so TV shows like Doctor Who, where it's not necessarily a plane, but a planet. And maybe that's what you want to have inspiration from, a planet that is just, uh, certainly maybe like um, like the planet of the Ood or um, New New York, I think it's called, the one where everyone's cured by sort of just taking away emotions and stuff like that. So stuff stuff oh, like yeah. that where you could just take it and put it onto other planes, maybe more of a sci-fi element to it. I mean, like I absolutely love uh, Mechanus. I love robots. Uh, I think <laughs> robots are great. And so I a thousand percent would want to have uh, a campaign setting in, in Modros and maybe having Modrons just, it's that sort of thing where it's like aliens have just appeared on your planet. They're Modrons. Oh God, you know, you have to sort of sort them out, which sounds like exactly. a great hijinks sort of thing. So I quite like that idea. Uh, Magic Faraway Tree, again, that's, it is essentially the children's version of North mythology, essentially. Um, but I thought that was, it's quite a nice, easy way into it. And then again, just thinking of very simple ideas. And I think that's my thing is that a plane doesn't necessarily have to be deeply complicated. Like all of these 16 planes, they just use, like you said, the emotions and you can just write anything about them. Yeah, you, all you need is an idea going, everyone in this plane has to do X or everyone likes Y, etc. And then you just apply it and you're like, all right, you've got this concept now. Why is that weird? Or why is it, what's going to change? What is the big consequences from that? Mm. So I thought that was good. And then the sort of the final thing, I thought the idea of like getting into places or, or finding new places through uh, doorways would be Lock and Key, which is on Netflix. Okay. Uh, that is a, was, sorry, a uh, comic book, oh, sorry, not comic book, graphic novel. You've got to call them by the adult titles now. Oh, I see. <laughs> and the, the basic story is that this family moved back into um, their, their family home uh, that's been sort of given to them and a parents died or something like that. Uh, as a very bad explanation of what happens, but yes. Um, and they find a Brutal. ring of keys. <laughs> they find a ring of keys and each key is slightly different. And there's one key, which I, I will spoil for people, but it's in the shape of a head. It's like a free head and basically if you go behind someone with this key a little keyhole opens up in their neck and you can open it and they freeze in time but then you can go inside their head and Whoa. see how the the world is and so that's again another idea of like how you know your own plane of existence inside your head and people walking around it they, they don't damage it i will say that because that, that would just be too scary um but i like that idea oh and then the other thing that's come to me um mechanus is very very ordered and very sort of like this a supernatural being that no one really knows about there's um a game uh, an rpg game called paranoia which is a uh, a computer uh, has taken over a place called Alpha Complex and it's been a big sort of apocalypse type style. So everyone's everyone on Earth is now living in Alpha Complex. Oh, and everything is dreadful. Everyone everyone is ordered, everything. But the computer has lost it a little bit, but everything is happy and everything's good because computer's in control. And you play like um, party members called troubleshooters and you go out and solve missions for um, computer, your friend computer. The great thing about it is that computer can always just come in and check in a bit like Clippy on uh, Microsoft Word. It's like, <laughs> and then and we'll be like, you, you could be like in the middle of like falling off some sort of big uh, detritus, like, you know, and everything's going wrong. And then you're just like, do you have time for your HR review, uh, troubleshooter 567? that sort of the idea of like a um, a sort of neutral order place but gone wrong like because yeah. they because they're like but well, it's it's going right from our subroutines but it's actually the sort of decay and you know things getting old and stuff so i'd recommend that because that's a really fun read the idea yeah. that you're sort of a not necessarily an evil computer just someone that's you know following these subroutines and uh, things have not been updated bordering on too corporate for me that <laughs> <laughs> the only That's one I, I could think of that was D&D &D related. So the best sort of example of, of a different way to look at the outer 
planes and, and how they all work is high rollers and, yes. and the campaign they've got at the moment which is eros that's a really interesting way of looking at it because he's taken all the outer planes and he's basically turned them all into planets within a universe and has introduced space travel between them that's an interesting way of looking at it because it's all the same core rules but just changed a little bit um mm. which is an interesting way of looking at it that's a lot of things to think about for outer planes i think we need something else to think about fiona <laughs> what have you got for us next time look at that smooth segue i love it so smooth so ryan i because i've edited the episode now i listened back i heard you were like oh well you've done another adventure module well i mean it will go back to world building. And I was like, oh, I, <laughs> I, I hear that challenge, Ryan. I hear you. And yeah, I've not read the Dungeon Master's Guide because I've been busy. So I thought, fuck it. I'm going to challenge us both to do something, which I didn't realize would be a lot of work. Um, <laughs> so next time we're going to look at the Dungeon Master's Guide and we're going to look at how to create a customized monster using the methods described in it. It sounds like a lot of work, but really, will it be? You'll just have to wait and find out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's really interesting. I, it was a good read, actually, so we'll uh, mm. look talking about it. Brilliant. Well, uh, 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 no, Ryan, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, my life. I'm great. Come find me. <laughs> I always forget just, that. Just come, just come find me. What a, what a line. <laughs> exactly. Google Ursa Ryan. You'll find me. I'm the only one with that name. I have a Discord. Come say hi to me. Hooray. Hooray. What do you do? What do you do on your Discord, Ryan? Oh, I talk to people. I'm being evasive just to uh, annoy you. About? <laughs> I'm a YouTuber. I, I normally YouTube a lot of uh, sort of Civ 6, which is a computer game, but come talk to me about D&D as well. It's my other love. We put a lot of our campaign up on YouTube, didn't we? So mm -hmm. yeah, come talk to us about that. Hmm. And my name is Fiona. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast. It's still going well. It's still going fine. And it's always going well. It's always going well. Um, yes. There's, you there's sound a bit like that robot. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. Come on, uh, see my podcast. <laughs> oh, no, we're not portal, are we? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrific. It's oh, too God. hot. Now oh, it's too good. warm. Hello yeah. there. Okay, well, you must die now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that's all mode the podcast works. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's all I say in it. Um, I'm basically, Hello. I'm basically doing my Modron voice constantly. Well, until next time. Thanks for listening, friends, and we'll hear. No, see, we'll be back soon. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>